I am impressed. You've become a much better referee. Thanks, honey. After what you said to me, I watched hours and hours of soccer. I almost saw a goal, but there were so many ads for Spanish cell phones. And let's go. Fields, oh, what a move to move past Nixon. And Justin Fields ahead of the field. And gone. What a run. It's his third rushing touchdown of 50-plus yards this year. Give to Montgomery with a nice cut. And he powers in for a touchdown. Much better in the second half for Green Bay so far on the defensive end. Now trying to contain Fields. Looking for Nikhil Harry. What a catch. Inside the Packer 30 as he beats Jair Alexander. In a one-point game. It's not the first time that's happened this year. It's Watson on the end around. He can fly. And he can fly to the end zone. Touchdown, Green Bay. Fields launches it. He's intercepted. That'll put it away. It's Keyshawn Nixon to put it on ice for another Packers win over the Bears. There are a lot of positive things uh, from the offense, from my standpoint, and from our coach's standpoint, for sure. Um, defensively, you know, a lot of good things, too. Then we get to the fourth quarter. You know, we get to the fourth quarter there, and uh, we give up a touchdown drive uh, um, there, and then we, we are down by one. You know, and Justin's been ripping that pass pretty, you know, a couple times earlier, and that's a trust throw. You know, when you have a trust throw, that means he's he's reading it, and man, he's going to let it rip, and, you know, the guy's got to do a great job of stepping up, you know, making those plays and uh, I thought the corner made a nice play. You know, just winning the game, it would be awesome just to seeing uh, the guys' faces and just the feeling of winning. Um, it's it's none, none like it, so yeah. And coming at you from the basement of the basement of WCBTA 20 in Chicago, this is the Sports Cubicle. The inmates are on the asylum and our boss... He's going to yell some Monday morning because we're working overtime. I'm a little disappointed, Paul. I thought this is the downfall of the Packers. And we still lose to them somehow? Yeah, it's the same old story. You know, the Packers beat the Bears. What do you know? A big old book. Oh, he makes some notes in there. And, of course, the marvelous one. And Mike Mercado, we're going to get to that. And, uh, Paul Asius, I think you're still excited about your World Cup and your soccer talk. Absolutely. I'll catch you up on that a little bit later. I think we'll get a little tribute to our boy Jose. You know, we haven't had anyone sing on CBT in a while, have we, Paul? I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss Jose. So, Mercado, take it away. It felt like Christmas had came early here in Chicago, but at the end of the day, it was a disappointing finale for this chapter of the rivalry between the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers as Aaron Rodgers leads the Packers back against the Bears, 28-19. to The Bears now falling to 3-2. and The Packers now at 5-8. and A lot of good, a lot of bad, and a lot of frustrating in this matchup against these two historic rivals. And we are here to break it down here on the Sports Cubicle. I'm your host, Mike Mercado, with the marvelous one, Dan Marver, Devin Tingle, and Paul Shivari throughout the entire show. We all hope you are having a wonderful weekend. We thank you so much for joining us here. The Bears fall to the Packers, 19-28. to Justin Fields, 20 for 25, 254 yards and two interceptions unfortunately but we did get to see fields do what he does best he carries the ball for six times 71 yards and a touchdown david montgomery goes for 14 carries 61 yards and a touchdown equinemius st brown three catches for 85 yards cole Komet six catches for 72 yards Nikhil harry with a huge catch a 41 yard bomb we'll talk about that in just a little bit chase claypool gets five receptions but a lot of bad heading up on the other side Aaron Rodgers not the best of games not the best of seasons for this Packers team he goes 18 for 31 182 yards and a touchdown A.J. Dillon saves the day for this team with 18 carries for 93 yards and a touchdown Christian Watson that man is bad that kid is bad that rookie is bad he had a carry for 46 yards and a touchdown three catches for 48 yards and a touchdown, Alan Lazard, five catches, 66 yards. And Aaron Jones was a part of the game plan, but he got hurt. And that's kind of the breakdown, the big picture, the what we saw on the field. But now it is we have to talk about what we saw and going into this game, right? The expectations, because the entire week, we weren't sure 
if Justin Fields was going to play in this matchup. We know the Bears have a bye coming up now. So the thought being, let him rest. But as the week went on in practice, we saw that Fields was playing, playing, putting in some time, whether it was limited, whether there was some stuff going on the side. And then all of a sudden, he was a full participant. And we saw him make some great plays in the first half. We saw some awesome football from the Chicago Bears in the first half, scoring and getting in an early 10 points to nothing in the first quarter, getting another six, two field goals, right? And then you're a, excuse me, a touchdown. Then you're able to, as you're giving up 10 points to the Packers, you're up 16 to 10. Then you score a field goal to come back in the second half. And then 18 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. So what is the emotion? What is the feeling? What is the vibes about this Bears game, this Bears team, this, this looking forward to the next four weeks of, the, uh, of this campaign in this season? Let's start with the good. Justin Fields, whether he's 100%, 95%, 90%, 80%, he's special. He's the guy. How many times do we have to see him do what he – well, we know one of his specialties is his run, desired runs, making something out of nothing. He did, he did that a lot in this matchup. But he had huge plays with his arms. One play, 49 yards. Another one, 56 yards. 254 yards, most he's ever had in his NFL, at least the season long for this season. It's just something to keep in mind. Now, mind you, this Packers defense isn't good. I don't think this Packers team is good at all. But you have to put that on the checklist. You saw him throw the ball. And it looked like, at least in the first half, where Luke Getze wasn't doing coward calls. And yes, they were coward calls. You're the Bears. What are you being conservative for? Put it on tape. But besides the point, they were going out there. He, They were letting him throw the ball. They were making Justin Fields the, the, the center point of this offense, which he is. My, uh, David Montgomery, a, a, you know, a solid, a, a staple of this offense, will not get signed by this team, will not get the franchise tag, but has been just a pro's pro and what he's done and being able to help this offense. But I do think this is something I've been talking about the last few weeks, right? All these guys are special. These are the top-tier athletes, not only in this profession, but the entire world, right? All these professional athletes, all these collegians, for double A, uh, first tier, you know, Division One, all unicorns. But you can see that Monty, in a sport full of unicorns, doesn't have that special take-it-to-the-house type of talent, speed. Whatever it is that lets an NFL player do that, he doesn't do it. He's just a great, constant pro, and that's wonderful for a team. But when you watch somebody like a Khalil Herbert, right? Well, I don't think Khalil Herbert's a better football player than David Montgomery, but Khalil Herbert has that X factor where he could change the game in one play, whether it is getting the ball and running it up the middle, or it's a screenplay, or it's a it's a pass down the field. Montgomery could do a lot of things, but you're seeing just that difference, whether it's just half a second, what makes a player different to be able to break a whole game, opposed to David Montgomery, who it's it's a punch in the face a thousand times, right? Like he's going to punch your team's face. But can he have that big play that ends the game, that puts you down for good? I don't know. We've had He's been on this team for a long time. He's going to get paid somewhere. He's going to be a great player somewhere. But it's things like that. You see how good he is and that they're still missing that big X-factor play. I think it was nice to see Chase Claypool get a bunch get, get a bunch of plays designed for him. There, he had that nasty uh, uh, tackle where it looked like he shredded his knee. He was able to play, but that's something you need to see develop as the year goes on, the rest of this year. That's why it was important for Justin to be out there. And it's important for Chase to be out there and Komet to be out there. Development stops the minute you stop developing. Crazy concept, right? You can't develop if you're on the bench. You can't develop if you're not out there doing the work. Look at whether you're in the NFL, NBA, or you're working at an everyday job. Every job is hard. And unless you do the training to get the knowledge down first, that's great. That's to introduce you. 
But until you put the work in, until you get your hands dirty, until you make the mistakes, you're not going to learn anything. It's just studying. We These guys have studied enough. I've seen field study enough. It's about development. It's about getting out there and seeing how a defense plays against you, seeing how a defense adjusts not only against you, but your weapons and how you make adjustments throughout the game, how you and your instincts are able to take over as your career goes on, how you're able to protect yourself and put your team in a position to win. And that's just not on the players. That's on the coaching staff too. So Fields not playing. Chase Claypool not playing. Cole Komet not playing. Vildor and Gordon and any of these guys, these young kids from this team not playing, does stop their individual development and it stagnates your team's development. There's a lot of holes on this Bears team. There's We can give the defense credit for playing pretty damn well in the first half. Heck, even in the third quarter. And you can say it was the conservative play calling from Lugetsi that puts them it, 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 their backs behind the corner. But they played well. But whether it's on defense, whether it's on the offensive line, whether it's on your receiving core, this team has a bunch of holes. It is going to take a lot to put this on the right track. You have the number one answer, the number one concern, the thing that every franchise is trying to figure out. Do you have your quarterback or at least are you confident enough in this guy to invest money and draft capital in? You figured out, yes, you do. So now you have to do that this offseason. But for all the good, we're still seeing on tape how much this team needs to do well, how much they need to do to get better. And if, if we're on the negatives, too many times, Fields staring down his receivers. I like that he did the progression. I like that he was making big plays in the pocket. He was able to move the pocket. He was able to use his legs as weapons. But you're going to have to develop and not do that. That's a mistake that will cost you interceptions like it did today. And right now, again, you're in the development stage. These games don't matter. This is for draft capital. But there's going to be a point where a game against the Packers or the Vikings is going to mean the difference of making the playoffs and missing the playoffs. Having home field, and going on the road, having a bye or have to play three games to get to the Super Bowl. These are things that all add up. And it wouldn't have been something we would know, be able to speak on, have a conversation about if Justin wasn't playing, if the development stopped because he was injured or they were worried he wouldn't be able to go out there and compete. But we are here on the Sports Cubicle as the Chicago Bears fall to the Green Bay Packers 28 to 19 at Soldier Field. The Bears now 3 and 10. Aaron Rodgers giving a salute to the faithful in Chicago. Was this his last game? Uh, interesting, just the whole Aaron Rodgers saga and the Green Bay Packers. But Aaron Rodgers goes 18 for 31, 182 yards and a touchdown. AJ Dillon, 18. Carries 93 yards and a touchdown. Christian Watson with a huge rack breaker, a run for 46 yards and a touchdown. He also had some big catches, three catches for 48 yards and a touchdown. On the Bears side, if you're just joining us here on the Sports Cubicle with the Marvelous One, Dan Marver, Devin Tingle, Paul Shibari, and myself, Mike Mercado, as we break down this Bears loss to the Packers 19-28. to Fields goes 20 for 25, 254 yards. Two interceptions, six carries, 71 yards, and a touchdown. David Montgomery, 14 carries, 61 yards, and a touchdown himself. Cole Komet with a huge catch, 72 yards on six catches. St. Brown, three catches, 85 yards himself having a big catch. Nikhil Harry with an impressive one as well. His only catch of the day for 49 yards. And speaking of the field's stat line, I think over the last few weeks, I've come down to this realization. And you can follow me on Twitter at Mike M Media, Instagram, Mike Mercado Media. Leave your comments down below right here on this video version or wherever you're listening to us on YouTube.com slash Mercado Airwaves Network or wherever you get your favorite podcast at Mercado Airwaves Network. I've been saying this on Sports Cubicle TV's Twitter account as well that the Bears, if you're looking at a stat line, 
that Justin Fields threw for anywhere from 180 to 220 and ran for 70 yards and had a pair of touchdowns, that's a Bears win. And I really am starting to believe that because if you have a bad special teams day with Cairo Santos and you have a defense that's been gutted and you have offensive weapons that you're not trusting right now and you were still in this, the Bears were still in this game and it was that stat line from Justin Fields. So what happens when he doesn't have to chuck it down because he's down by nine points? What happens when you're ever able to play with a well-thought-out game plan with two minutes left. That's, I think you found your sweet spot for the Bears to win. I don't think you need Justin Fields to be Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow. No hate on those guys. Those are wonderful. I would love to have them as well, right? But you have to, you have to be able to utilize the talent that's given around you. And if that talent is 200 passing yards and a touchdown, but also 70 yards, chaos, and a touchdown, you got to be able to use that. Win by any means necessary. We've seen Justin Herbert out there throwing 400 yards, three touchdowns, and not being able to get to the playoffs. Joe Burrow has some of the best weapons in the world. He's not throwing it up there. Couldn't win a Super Bowl. Like, they're... There is a formula to this, but I think you have to be open-minded to today's NFL and also not judge and punish these guys for other people's mistakes or other people's misfortunes throughout the years in the NFL. I think if you get that stat line from Justin Fields with the right talent and the right amount of care and TLC, The Bears are going to win more games than they lose. Does that mean you win a Super Bowl? I don't know. I don't. But I do know heading into this bye week, the Chicago Bears need to get right and need to figure out what they want to do the last four weeks of the season to make sure they have every bit of data, information to go into this offseason and do right by the fan base And more importantly, that young quarterback. You're asking for a lot of money from your fan base, a lot of patience, a lot of trust. Same thing with this young quarterback. You have the resources. You don't have any excuses. Now is the time. You better use these last few weeks of this NFL season to put your team in the best position to win. We just saw today that the Vikings, even though Aaron Rodgers still owns you, did not play a good game. The downfall has happened. Minnesota is only as good as Kirk Cousins is going to be able to take them. And the Lions, as far as I'm concerned, or as far as I still know, still are the Detroit Lions. You better not. You cannot miss in this opportunity. There are not many opportunities in life, whether it's professionally, personally, politics, the environment economics, where everything is right in line for you to come out better than you've ever been before. It never happens in any walk of life. And right now, for Ryan Poles, the McCaskies, Matt Eberflus, it's right there in front of them on a silver platter. Can you take advantage of it? That's what I want to know. I want to know your thoughts, though. Let me know. I'm on Twitter at Mike and Media, Instagram, Mike Mercado Media. The show's on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. Leave a comment down below here on the video version on YouTube.com slash Mercado Airwaves Network. The show, the Sports Cubicle, is on SoundCloud on WCPT820.coms. And we are also every Sunday night on WS, WCPT820 AM, 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. It's the marvelous one, Dan Marver, Devin Tingo, Paul Shavari, and myself. Mike Mercado, are you excited? Are you encouraged? Do you have optimism about this upcoming draft? The Bears looking like they're going to be at, in, the, in the second pick. Will they trade down? Will they add, grab more assets? Will they do what Philadelphia and Miami have done for their young quarterbacks? It's out there for you. The blueprint is out there for you, Ryan Poles, for the McCaskies to do this right. 
Let us know your thoughts. Will they do that? Let us know your thoughts. Were you disappointed the Bears couldn't get this victory when it looked for a long time they might be able to pull it out as they fall to the Green Bay Packers 28 to 19. The Bears not falling to three and 10. And when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, look, I think at some point it has to end, right? Like all this drama, all this craziness and the social media and the the political world that he's put himself into, it has to end. But you never count any of these dudes and their egos out. So yeah, I could totally see just a salute being something that he did so that social media talks about him, that he could dismiss it on Pat McAfee because the fans and the media are crazy and always looking for this and that and whatever. Look, at until he's gone, until Brady is gone, until Russ is gone, I won't believe it because people tend to not want to get rid of comfy, cushy, well-paying jobs. But I do think the tides have turned. Would have been nice for a victory, because it would have made that claim a little bit more strong to stand on. But nonetheless, I do think that Rodgers will play more games against the Bears. And I do think it'll be against the uh, with the Green Bay Packers. So for whatever that's worth, I'm not sure if there's going to be as many victories for them. But they're still right there. We keep harping back to it. If you're going to go into this offseason, everything's right there in front of you. You better take advantage of it. You don't think that team who was right there trying to chase uh, Chase Claypool isn't going to try to make a big move, you better, because they're going to want to. But we want to know. Let us know your thoughts. We're here on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. It's been a crazy one. Let us know your thoughts. The Bears fall to the Green Bay Packers 28-19. to 19. And we headed to a bye week, so we'll have a lot of conversations about the year that is and what will be the remainder of this season. But we want to know your thoughts. Let us know all over social media. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. For the marvelous one, Dan Marber. For Devin Tingle. For Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Forgot. When I last spoke to you about the World Cup, the United States was in a must-win for their final group play game against Iran. They ended up winning that match. It was exciting. Kristen Pulisic scoring that goal for the United States, sending them to the knockout round, where we know that yesterday, Netherlands was victorious 3-1 to over the United States. The uh, our, our team just didn't really stand a chance against the Netherlands, but it was a great match. It was exciting to see. Team USA make it to the knockout round. And then we saw in the afternoon game on Saturday that Argentina advanced over Australia. So now Netherlands and Argentina will face off in a quarterfinal match on Friday. Today, France as well as England won. And now they'll face each other on Saturday in a quarterfinal match. So tomorrow we still have some round of 16 action. Japan going up against Croatia in the early game on Monday. Later game on Monday is going to have Brazil and South Korea. Then on Tuesday, your early game is Morocco and Spain. Your later game is going to be Portugal and Switzerland. After all of those are played, we're going to finally have our first days off. The first 17 days of this tournament, there was consecutive days of football. Uh, We're in the midst of it right now on Wednesday. It'll be that first World Cup a free day, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, the off days, Friday and Saturday going to be the quarterfinal round. And then Sunday, Monday, off days, semifinals are going to be Tuesday and Wednesday the following week, which would put you at the 13th and 14th of December. There is a third place game that's going to be played on Saturday. The 17th final is still scheduled for the 18th. It, exciting action so far. I think out of what we've seen, you know, the 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 stars have stepped up. Uh, Lionel Messi scoring for Argentina on Saturday. Kylian Mbappe stepping up and scoring for France uh, today. That Mbappe has been so impressive. Two exciting goals in that three nothing or three to one victory for Poland. I forgot at the end. Uh, Lewandowski got a uh, penalty kick for uh, for Poland when it was all pretty much decided. And, uh, just seconds away from the final whistle. Uh, what did I like about the group play? I thought 
it, everything was really exciting and really um just kind of close just just you know the the last few days the excitement of of seeing the uh the standings changing where uh Japan, Spain, Germany were all kind of cycled in, you know, who was in, who was out, Costa Rica trying to get in at the last minute. Um but then Japan winning that group group E, that was exciting. You know, Morocco winning Group F, I think that was a bit of a surprise. Belgium not getting in. Um, you know, the the way Serbia, Cameroon, Switzerland kind of ended up in, in Group G. Uh, the fact that Uruguay had uh, their insane game um, against Ghana in, in their final game, uh, just how that worked out. I, you know, I, I think some surprises. There were more, um, you know, I was surprised to see Australia, South Korea, um, you know, the, the, and Morocco, those teams get in. I was surprised to see Japan win their group. I thought they were going to be a surprising team, but I thought Spain, Spain was going to be the best team in that group. Maybe Germany slipping in as a, as a possible one, but I didn't expect Japan to get number one. I thought they would be surprising, but not a number one. Uh, Poland getting in ahead of Mexico, you know, that, that was a good group. Group C was exciting. You know, I think some of the groups, though, ended up the way that you kind of expected them to. I think, um, you know, you could have switched maybe the United States and Iran, but Group B was looking like it was going to be England and the United States the entire time. Uh, Group A, Netherlands, Senegal, that seemed about right. Ecuador, probably one of the strongest teams to uh, to not qualify. Um, you know, arguably maybe Belgium or Germany could have been better teams, but I I think the way Ecuador played in this tournament uh, just close, but no cigar for them as uh, Senegal swooped in and and got the uh, the final bid for uh, Group A. Uh, from here on out, what am I expecting? I think I think when you look at the bracket, it's you know kind of the, some of the usual suspects. You know, we were worried about uh, Argentina getting in at the beginning when they they lost their first game. Um, you know, they 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 lose their first game against Saudi Arabia. And, and and you're thinking, are they going to advance into the round of 16? You know, can they get to the knockout round? It's supposed to be Messi's last go around. Um, you know, will he make it in? Will he finally join Maradona? You know, with, with Argentina's great rich history of, of uh, you know, World Cup football. And all they had to do is qualify for the round of 16. They do. You see what happens when they play a team like Australia even though that scoreline of two to one seems close, it was all Argentina throughout that game. So I think when you, when you stack Argentina and Netherlands against each other, you know, Netherlands kind of a weaker sort of group winner where, you know, were they truly challenged by the likes of Senegal, Ecuador, you know, and, and the United States and, and Qatar was the, the remaining group team that they played in Qatar really had no business being in this tournament other than the fact that they're the host country. So they have, an automatic bid. So that's going to be a really te- a real test. You know, I think Argentina's the favorite team, you know, in the quarterfinal matchup, but I think going forward, you know, it, it's, it's really messy in Argentina's match to win, you know, but I think uh, the winner of that match is, is a potential semifinal more than likely going up against Brazil. I, you know, I'd be shocked if it was Japan or Croatia, um, especially shocked if it was Korea, but I think Brazil, the strongest team coming out of that quadrant. So really it could be a, a Brazil Argentina semifinal to get into this final. And I think regardless, you'd have an exciting club there, you know, Brazil with the most world cup trophies all time, looking to add to that been the perennial favorites or, uh, at least the, uh, the, the, the tournament favorites every time they, they do this. Argentina, you know, like I said, the storyline with them, Lionel Messi trying to win, you know, his last one. You know, meanwhile, on the other side, though, France looking really good, strong team, you know, looking to get to that semifinal. You know, who are they going to play? Spain, Portugal, maybe one of those teams. I like Portugal versus France for the other semifinal. And and I think everyone's dreaming of a Portugal-Argentina final because you'd have, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo versus Lionel Messi. Uh, arguably the two greatest players of their time, maybe of all time, and them going up against each other for, you know, a guarantee that one of them would win a World Cup. And, 
you know, Portugal, they're, they're first as a nation. I, I think there'd be a lot of excitement, but I think logically, you know, Brazil, France looks like that could be a strong one. Brazil, Spain, Brazil, Portugal, you know, we'll see Morocco, you know, Morocco winning their, their group. That could be a strong team. If they maybe can beat Spain on Tuesday, what kind of run can they go on? But I think you're really looking at France as, as the strong team coming from that side of the bracket. Uh, there, there's, a uh, you know, in this day and age of social media, the way, um, you know, people will make, you know, predictions and, and, and Photoshop things and screenshot things. And you know, I'm a time traveler. There, there's a site that did that and they had uh, Brazil two to one over France in the final. And I, and I think that's a very logical conclusion to this. Not that I necessarily think that that will happen. I think that's a very likely scenario. So look for that. Um, I think that Argentina, Portugal would be really exciting. I think Brazil is clearly Brazil and or France are the two best teams that I've seen so far in this tournament. Um, but you know, I think uh, anything can happen from here on out, and I, I'd be I'd, I'd be excited to see a team that's outside of uh, UEFA. That's all the European teams, or outside of Cone Mobile. That's all the South Af- uh, South American teams. You know, Africa, Asia, North America, they have not won the World Cup or been to the final. With U.S. losing on Saturday, that's the last CONCACAF North American team left. Um, you know, so now it pretty much is up to Africa or Asia to be the continent that that steals this. I don't think it's going to happen. I would like to see uh, one of those teams get to a final. I, I think the most likely is going to be Japan or Morocco, probably Japan. Um, but we'll see, you know, it's, it's really up to Senegal, uh, I'm sorry, it's up to Morocco, Japan, or, uh, you know, or Korea to do it. But I, I think, I think the way it's going to go down, I think it's, you know, Brazil or Croatia more than likely against Argentina, more than likely probably Brazil over Argentina or Argentina in the final. And like I said, France, Portugal. And then that Morocco-Spain winner. Those are your favorites on the other side. But hey, let us know what you think. Tweet us at SportsCubicleTV. For Devin Tingle, Mike Mercado, Dan Marver, I'm your World Cup expert here on the Sports Cubicle, Paul Shavari. Keep listening. We're going to be following this tournament all the way through. we got two weeks until the final. I'll definitely break that down for you as who's it going to be? Brazil, France, one of those teams I mentioned, one of those uh, surprise teams. Who knows? Maybe we're talking about Morocco being the first African team to ever win a World Cup. Some news on the free agent front. Bob Nightingale tweeting this out on this Monday afternoon. The Astros are finalizing a deal for free agent first baseman Jose Abreu. Fascinating. Well, Paul Aceus, we kind of all saw this coming at the end of the se- end of regular season. But when it finally happens and it's more clear that the White Sox aren't going to, you know, Resign Jose Abreu. And then it's official and he goes to Houston Ugh. of all teams. What would be worse, Houston or the Cubs? I think the Cubs, honestly. Just yeah, the, that, that wouldn't have felt right. Houston, at least, it kind of feels like, well, if he can't beat him, join him. I can't blame him. You know, I don't think it's like LeBron James and like their uh, recruiting. I think there was a need for a first baseman. Houston has the money and. Jose Abreu is a good fit on that squad. So, yeah, it's sad, man. It's really sad that that I I think not not that he necessarily totally earned it compared to some of the greats in the franchise, but he was one of the franchise greats. I thought he deserved at least given given the fact that this team has um an addiction to being loyal and like, you know, like syrupy syrupy loyal to certain guys. I think they would have given him a farewell tour of sorts, or at least could have worked out like a, a a known last year. But whatever, it is what it is. Jose chased that money. Houston has it for him. They're the favorite already, I think, to win next season as it is, depending on what their pitching staff is going to look like. So I hope he does win his ring. It's just weird that he wouldn't do it in a White Sox uniform but it's that type of stuff that might help push him into the Hall of Fame, which I think at this point has got to be, he's going to go in as a, as a White Sox player. 
if he continues to keep up what he's doing here. If he goes into the Hall of Fame. If I he goes, say. absolutely, yeah. yes. And again, Jose Abreu was kind of one of those, like, unsung, was the hero of the rebuild era, I guess we could call these past, what, nine years or so? Why not? Yeah. Well, I mean, the just the mired in medi- mediocrity to the, to the rebuild, you know, to the... Um, change the game, whatever you want to call the, the Tony LaRusa era. You know, he was there for some weird, you know, Robin Ventura, Rick Renteria, Tony LaRusa is, and Miguel Cairo, I guess, are the, the managers in Jose Abreu's tenure with the White Sox. And that's a really awkward era to be a superstar in. But, you know, the White Sox now still have to replace, um, you know, and not even the, the the numbers, and and not that I can totally break it down for you, but I want to say top three, almost top two, in like runs, hits, RBI every single year for the Sox. Hits, you know, maybe batting average. He's not really an, an average guy, but he is an, a four average hitter. You're missing a lot by taking that guy out of your lineup, and I get that the White Sox they're logjam. They got Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn, who are first basemen both playing in the outfield so far for them. Um, you have uh, Yasmani Grandal, who's probably not going to be valuable behind the plate at some point. All of these guys are DHs. Where does Jose Abreu fit into the picture? I would have expected them to trade Gavin Sheets before getting rid of or letting Jose Abreu walk, but I get that. The, the White Sox are a money-minded team. And don't necessarily splurge just to keep guys around or just to pull guys off the free agent market. So I understand the move. It's very typical White Sox. I'm just a little saddened that it happened. And I still think I still think Andrew Vaughn, Gavin Sheets, Yasmani Grandal don't cut it. You know, if you really expect to be a contender, yeah, it might win the AL Central, but then you're gonna show up against a Houston Astros or a New York Yankees, or whomever, and it's going to be bad news. Well, it came out that they, the White Sox did offer Abreu a contract. He just did not want it here. But do you think putting Andrew Vaughn back at the position he you know, has played most of his minor league career is going to actually probably help you know him be a better player than he was as we saw this year? I, I think so. Well, I think he's a good hitter. He's just a valuable hitter to have in a lineup, and, and they still have him on his rookie deal, so why not? So... If that's where he plays his best, then that's great. But what if you run into the problem where defensively, and, and I don't think this will be the case. I think I think he'll be a serviceable first baseman. He can't be awful at it. But if if he was awful at it, then you'd have Aloy Jimenez and Andrew Vaughn and Yasmani Grandal. Well, after this year, maybe not. But you'd have that this season as a potential problem where if the three of them can't play their actual field position you have a competition for who has to be DH. Like, thank goodness that um, AJ Pollock is off. The well, you're forgetting about Aloy Jimenez. <laughs> and Aloy Jimenez, yeah. Aloy, this we have four DHs. And, and then like Leori Garcia is still under contract, right? They haven't yeah. released him. Yeah. So the White Sox are a mess. And and you know, if it's the same guys, expect more of the same. You know, and I I just don't see. Yeah, Pedro Grafal, Charlie Montoyo. Some of the announcements that they had for coaches on this team, it's it's really, really impressive. You know, I think I think it's a better direction. I like that they brought back Daryl Boston because uh, why, you know, why why get rid of him? You know, like I, I think the players liked him. He doesn't hurt the direction of the team one way or the other. I think it's a great, you know, which is ironic because he's the first base coach, so really he kind of does. Um, but yeah, I I think. You know, Daryl Boston bringing him back it looks good, um, and and just the way they're they're kind of set up the the hitting coach from the the Braves moving up the the Charlotte uh, hitting coach's assistant. I think it's going to be a better clubhouse mentality and and more accountability and and, and a better um, competitive spirit in the locker room. But I think they just still have to answer some questions, and I've heard that they are. Making a trade offer, there was a, what an outfielder they were going for. I forgot who it was though. But and then there's always the rumor that they they want to sign Michael Conforto. Um, they're never going to be a team that that's going to try and court 
Aaron Judge. No. And they tried it with Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, and rumor has it that it went terrible behind the scenes that they cheaped out. And that's that's at least what the narrative is going to be, whether that's the truth or not. So this team, they don't have to prove anything. They don't have to go out and court an Aaron Judge, but could you imagine? But then once again, you might run into with him being like 30, 31 years old. Once again, you have a guy that can't feel his position <laughs> as a DH. <sighs> Eventually this team... Eventually, this team is going to have to have guys that can play their proper position, or baseball is going to have to turn into football where you have an offense and a defense that plays the game for you, which would be disgusting. But I, I honestly, in in like end of the century, I could see baseball turning into that. Blasphemy, Paul H. Blasphemy. <laughs> hey, there's already no, uh, uh, there's already a universal designated hitter. So that's. That's already. Could you imagine? Could you imagine fifty, maybe seventy-five years ago, telling that to somebody that, like, hey, by twenty twenty, there's going to be universal DH? Probably not. But then again, back then, were people excited about seeing people hit dingers all the time? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Dingers. <laughs> but uh, before we move on, I just uh, we haven't had anyone sing on CBT in a while, have we, Paul? Who's gonna sing? Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of Boys to Men in honor of uh, Jose Abreu. Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> How do I say goodbye to Jose Abreu? Yeah. The good times, <laughs> the home runs. <laughs> And, uh, I forgot the rest of the words. <laughs> it's a little bit of boys to men it's for y'all. So hard <laughs> to say goodbye to yesterday. <laughs> and we're canceled. Yeah. Um, uh, let's move on to the next big one here. Um, Jacob Degrom on the Rangers. Exactly. The yeah. Next big wow. one. Okay. And so, but but we should note though that those Jose Abreu to the Astros, Jacob Degrom to the Mets, that. Both or to the Rangers, I should say, both uh, checks for us in the uh, the free agent pool that we have going. We're tied at one right now. Yeah, you had Jose Abreu to the Astros, which I forgot about, and then I had Jacob Degrom to the Rangers, which for me that wasn't a surprise because he he reached out to them and said he had interest. I know the Rangers are a team that has money. I don't really know how, but I know that. With the uh, last season, the Marcus Semien and Corey Seager signings suggest to me that that's a team that's willing to spend some money. I thought Clayton Kershaw being, I think, a Dallas area guy might have wanted to go back there, you know. But I don't think he has any connection to that team whatsoever. So they have to bring in an ace. Degrom's on the market. I don't think they were going to get Verlander realistically. So there you go. I think you know, like. I love it. Now now that DeGrom is off the board, you got to look for um, pitching is going to go fast. So uh, Rodon is is the hot ticket right now. Mm. Carlos Rodon. Um, Sox are not in play once again, which is, you know, gosh, don't you wish they would have given him a qualifying offer? It was so nice, what, last year? <laughs> yes, yeah. That draft pick they just could have had right now. Ah! All right. Um, but... Uh, Verlander, I I don't know where you would rank him. I know he's one of the better pitchers out there, but he's 40-something years old. He has a Cy Young this year. Yeah, I know, and that's the crazy thing. And even before he had Tommy John surgery, he had the Cy Young. So he's a great pitcher at this stage of his career, but who's really, you know, it's like uh, Roger Clemens at this stage of his career. He was good, but then there was the injuries happened again, you know, or... You know, he just wasn't as consistent again. Or like Maddox at the end of his career. Yeah, he was still Greg Maddox, but he just was, you know, it's like like Jordan at the end of his career where it's just, he just doesn't have it. He, not at up. his peak. Not at his peak, you know. So it's it's that sort of thing where how, who's going to commit to that? You know, is is he realistically, I mean, Yankees would seem like a good fit because I, I think the goal is to kind of go season by season with it. You know, so you know, you give him two years and with like a ridiculous, you know, probably end up going to be 60, 65 million based on how the DeGrom contract, gosh, it's like 37 million a year he's getting or something like that. Yes, it is insane. 
And, and so I, I think you're going to see, you know, Rodon's going to get a big deal from somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, Verlander's going to get probably from the Yankees or the Astros, like a big one year, 20 million or one year, 30 million sort of sort of uh, pop. I'm pretty sure Kershaw's going back to the Dodgers. I don't know if that's official or I know it's been talked about, but I, I don't think it's been announced yet. Um, you know, so so with what's out there, you know, that then then who knows, you know, I, and and where the White Sox fit in with all of this. I don't know. I you know, I don't think they're going to go out and get anyone spectacular. Maybe they'll make one splashy trade. Um, but I don't like, you know, I know it's way early winter meetings start this week and we've already seen some movement, you know, in, in trades, you know, like Colton Wong going from the Brewers to the Mariners, you know, Jesse Winker and Abraham Toro going back. That felt like a very Brewers trade um, to me. So I, you know, things make sense. I don't know where the Sox fit into all of this. Um, but with the Cubs, though, I heard that there were new players for Dansby Swanson, and I love it. And I think I think the fans would really love Dansby Swanson here, and I think he has a chance to do some special things here if he ends up signing with the Cubs. My thing is, if they get Swanson, where do you put uh, Hoyer? Well, the, the Cubs needed a shortstop anyway, so I think Hoyer goes to second base. Okay. Because there's talk of, like, um, I, I heard uh, Trey Turner might be off the market soon, Uh um, oh, who was looking at him? Maybe, maybe Padre, and maybe Padres. That I don't, sounds yeah. like him. I, I don't know. That could that could be just a rumor, though. Um, but you, you know, so you have Correa, Turner, guys like that around the market. Cubs could go for that. They really should. You know, I think I think they need a long term superstar solution at shortstop. Now that there's no more Javier Baez there, so yeah, but I mean, realistically, I mean that because that was supposed to be the future. And and I think they dodged a bullet by not giving him a long term deal. You know, we made fun of the Cubs for doing it, but at the same time, like, really, what Rizzo's probably the only guy that was worth keeping in the whole thing. And it it boggles the mind that they're just going to let Wilson Contreras walk. You know, like, and and not even not even trade him when they really should have. You know, but but so I I think that's going to be a major player of. What are the Cubs going to do this week? Who are some of the free agents that they're going to sign? I think you're going to see some of the bigger free agents come on the north side than the south side, but I think the White Sox are capable of making a very White Sox trade. You know, you know, like the uh, um, think like the way that um, Adam um, we'll pick an Adam. Um, uh, the way that Adam LaRoche came to the team or, or um, Todd Frazier got traded uh, to the team or, you know, those types of trades. Well, I've been hearing two rumors. One, they're trying to trade Giolito to the Tampa Bay for Brandon Drury. Okay. And the other one, uh, who's, I'm blanking, the uh, center fielder for uh, uh, Max Kepler. Yeah. Looking I to trade yeah. Giolito for Max Kepler. I'm like, why? Jury makes sense. The Rays would never do that. That would have to balance out still, I think. You know, like, I think when you're giving up a young pitcher like Giolito, I think even though he's on his last year, mm-hmm. Kepler straight up, I don't know. And I, I'd that have to see. not good in like three years? I, I'd have to see what Kepler's contract is, too. But I would think that to supplement that, Minnesota would have to send send over like a, uh, just like a throwaway prospect or two just to kind of balance out the deal. But I. I could live with it, but then it doesn't solve the issue of pitching for the White Sox. Okay, so they just got Mike Clevenger. Are you going to get thirty starts out of him? You know, like that. Going to bring back Cueto for the number five slot, right? Yeah, you know, or is it Vince Velasquez again? Or is it you know, like that's what I'm saying. So it, it you know, uh, Jonathan Stever or whatever they got in the the minor leagues. You don't. You, so it's they don't really have much. So I don't think trading pitching is wise unless. If this is Giolito's last year, which I think it is, mm-hmm, then nice. you know you trade him at the trade deadline if it doesn't look like you're going to compete this year. And and who cares that there's an expanded playoffs? You know, you know by late July if you have it or or you don't, or if that guy yeah. has it or mm-hmm. doesn't. And and one thing I've always been saying is look at teams like the Rays, the Cardinals, the Mariners. These are the type of teams where even the Padres, I think I've seen do it too. Um, teams where they sacrifice so much in a trade, where you where they're like, why are they sellers? They're they're a great team, 
but they get something good back or they, or it's like an even trade where it's like, oh, that's interesting. I wouldn't think that they needed to make a move like that. And it ends up working for them. So the White Sox need to get creative like that because I think they're really sitting on some good assets. But I think right now the team that they're trotting out, it's like, well, we know we know where this ends up. 90 at best. I think I know what the White Sox are doing, what the rest of the league is doing. They're waiting until Aaron Judge is signed. Mm-hmm. And that's... And that's what, you know, I guarantee once he's signed, it'll be the same thing kind of with the whole DeGrom there. We're starting to see pitchers starting to go here. Yeah. And I definitely think that's the White Sox's big thing. They're not going to make a splash at Aaron Judge, but if they start signing people, they can't pretend like they are. Yeah. That, we'll see. So, yeah, uh, DeGrom is off the board. That changes things once Rodon gets off the board. That'll change things. And once Judge gets off the board, that'll change a lot of things. Uh, Trey Turner, too. That's, you know, mm-hmm. that's... Uh, those big name free agents, Carlos Correa. Once those guys start coming off the board, you're going to see more dominoes fall. Um, at the same time, I think it'll happen more with pitching than it will with the position players. But um, you'll see it go quick when it goes. You know, like the the firestorm of signings when uh, when it happens. And and this week, you know, there's no lockout this year. It's the winter meetings. At the same time, I think because there's time, you know, sometimes you get excited before Christmas and it just doesn't happen anyway. So maybe expect some of this stuff to start happening around January or so, but we'll see. Definitely. It's going to be one interesting free agency or off season, I should say, this year. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll do it for the Sports Cubicle for Devin Tingle, Mike Mercado, Dan Marver, I'm Paul Shavari. Hey, we talked about baseball. We talked about the World Cup. We talked about the Bears. Uh, We'll be back here next week, 9 p.m. right here on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Santita starts your week at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Free Brittany Griner. 